Hello everybody, it's Colin. Today is uh, February 3rd release date. Don't know when you're listening to it, but February 3rd release date, Black History Month. And we're going to start it off with J.L. Rayner, the author of I Used to Be Racist. We're going to talk about the background of the story. We're going to talk about what he does, give some marketing tips. I think we got like just about an hour interview. It's a really good guy. Definitely check him out and uh, some sponsored music at the end of it. Hey, I was just on Collins Conversations. Guy is real dope, uh, down to earth. I really respect him. He gave me a lot of advice on how I can even better myself, which I didn't expect to get, and I'm happy I did. So check out Collins Conversations, the best podcast I've been on so far. All right, so we are on Collins Conversations. I'll let you introduce yourself, let everybody know wh where you got started, who you are, what you do, all those good things. All right, how's it going? My name is Jason Rayner. I am a new author. My book is titled, I Used to Be Racist. Um, when I am not writing, I am also acting. I actually just got a gig recently that's gonna be on Fox. Nice. Um, the second quarter of next year, so I do that as well. Um, and I also work with incarcerated um, individuals and previously incarcerated individuals, helping them successfully rehabilitate into society. So that's that's my big thing. Um, and I call myself a change speaker because motivational speaker has been used and abused. <laughs> so that's that's how I title myself. Gotcha. So that gives us quite a few things to unpack there. Mm. Um, as first thing I noticed when you got out of your car, we have Brooklyn everything. <laughs> what was it like growing up uh, in, uh, did you grow, you kind of grew up here and moved there or was it the other way around? So I'm from Brooklyn, New okay. York, um, and I grew up there. The you don't really notice that until you say York. And then you're like, <laughs> all right, yep, he, he's official. He, I believe it now. <laughs> and uh, I grew up there the first 18 and a half years of my life. And then I got accepted to Bowling Green State University. Um, was trying to leave Ohio, believe it or not, but then I met the love of my life, so I'm still here. So is it because of the love of your life that you were able to slow down the pace? That's the biggest thing everybody I know that's gone from there to here. Usually if you start here, it's easier to go there because you could kind of you know, start running instead of walking, but what was that like slowing down, especially Bowling Green? That's in the middle of nowhere. Whew. Well, <laughs> let, let me tell you, and I talk about some um, stories that I have in, being in Bowling Green. It is just completely opposite, man. Like, right. I, I think the biggest change for me, uh, New York City is extremely liberal. Mm. Guns in Ohio are very <laughs> popular. So when I saw how many people open carry guns and right. leave guns everywhere and have closets full of rifles, I'm like, where the heck? That was the biggest thing for me. And now I love guns. Which is so. funny, because when you're from here, you think like, if I go to New York, I'm gonna get you know robbed at gun or right. knife point. And then you right. come here and like, we're more loaded. That's right. awesome. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, what was the biggest change kind of, like I think you said that when you first came to New York, I saw, I mean, from New York to Ohio, that was the first time that you saw racism. What was that like for you? So um, it, it was very different um, because New York City, it's impossible to be on the train or the bus and just see a whole bunch of black people or just see a whole bunch of... Now, the city is very segregated in mm -hmm. the sense that the Russians live over here, the Chinese live over here. But for the most part, if you're in the heart of the boroughs, right? If you're in downtown Brooklyn, if you're in Manhattan that you see on TV, right. you're gonna see people of a whole bunch of different races. So coming to Ohio, Bowling Green <laughs> is black and white and everyone else is other. Mm -hmm. So that was difficult for me because if this makes any sense, it was the first time it was obvious that I was black. Mm -hmm. Like there were times where I would go out with a fraternity, which is primarily white. And when I would go to a party with them, it was like, I don't know how to explain it. Like they didn't have to say I was black. Right. Just looking at me strange is like, whoa, what is he doing here? <laughs> I never got that right. growing up. So that was the biggest thing. I think that's one of the most <clears throat> interesting because I've lived in Ohio my whole life. I've mm -hmm. traveled to just about the whole country. I'm going to, uh, next two weeks, I'm going to cross off the last three or four states other than those. Nobody counts Alaska and Hawaii. Like, well, right. like nobody goes there. Like, right. it's just figmentative. But like yeah. continental, <laughs> I'm about to check off the last couple ones. But yeah. like Ohio, like if you're from Cleveland, mm -hmm. you don't even associate, you know, Southern Ohio or even Columbus, Dayton, like as the same, right. like 
it's such a wide varying of culture in Ohio where like it's we're looked at in you know electoral times of it's that big state it's the swing state it's progressive but then everybody down south they're passing abortion laws that are like 50 years out of date (laughs) so like Ohio is a really I I could only imagine trying to come in and that perspective where you're like what Mm. the fuck is wrong with Ohio (laughs) but you're like no this is just bowling green this is you know this is rural it's not even a city down there I mean they have their college town but like Mm -hmm. like the city up here what's the difference between bowling green and what made you come up to cleveland was that you graduated and your wife was up here or what got you to the city so um or, i mean toledo yeah toledo yeah so I, I live in the toledo area um so i got a job in the correction system mm-hmm. uh, right out of college and so um i was when I, before i met my wife i was trying to go to new york to either um, do the acting thing or just do something different because I was sick and tired of Northwest Ohio. And then I met my now wife mm-hmm. uh, through a fitness company. Nice. Um, and believe it or not, that didn't work out, but our <laughs> marriage did. Nice. So that is why I'm still in Ohio. What What do you like about Toledo? Toledo, I've been I've been there, but it's mostly like you pass through there when you go into Michigan. What What's great about Toledo for you? I like Toledo because I feel like it's, it's a hidden gem, especially when it comes to real estate. Gotcha. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but Toledo, that over 50% of people rent. Mm-hmm. And so if you're into real estate, that is a great place to have a rental property. Right. And the thing is, there's it's not like oh, well, it's already saturated, like everyone already has it. There's there's more than enough houses gotcha. for people. So I think the real estate market is my favorite aspect of it. And then also just those little hidden restaurants that make you feel like you're in a real city. I'm trying to remember the name of the place that we went. It's really old. It's like Dirty Bird or something with Ye Old Dirty yeah. Bird. Is that yeah. right? Yep, yeah. yep. Delicious hamburgers. Yeah. I will give Toledo that. Ye Old Dirty Bird, I think it's the right name because it's such an out, out there name. Yeah. Like, they do, li- they do live music there though mm-hmm. and it's way too fucking loud because it's like yeah. the size of this room and you're like, <laughs> came here for chicken wings and a burger and I'm deaf. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting because there's little pockets of culture throughout Toledo, even though you don't see the culture as much as Cleveland, mm-hmm. for example. It's funny you brought that up because Cleveland to me is the closest thing to the East Coast in the sense that when I walk around Cleveland, right. I don't feel that pressure. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Um, Cincinnati, I, I, you know, you're right there from Kentucky. No offense, people from Kentucky, but I felt it, right? Columbus, you feel it. And of course, the accents change, all right. of that. Uh, but I definitely love Cleveland. So Yeah, Kentucky, I, was, I don't know anybody that doesn't make fun of Kentucky. Like, even if you're from Kentucky, I think you probably right. make fun of Kentucky. Uh, we, I had a guest on, um, if you haven't heard of her, uh, Alicia Caldwell-Hunderson. She mm-hmm. was from Kentucky and then moved down to Florida and kind of, I think you guys would really gel well because she had a good point when she was talking that being from Kentucky you know she was like the only black girl in her classes and kind of like you know living that life for 13 14 years and then going down to Jacksonville which Mm -hmm. is you know a lot more liberal and obviously it's not Kentucky Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know but kind of she said it was the only time where you know the the difference was like welcoming of the Mm -hmm. culture shock like wow, this is completely different. But wait, there's actually people that like the things I like and mm-hmm. kind of assimilated so much easier because it wasn't just bumfuck Kentucky. <laughs> you, know, you know, like, it's Kentucky everywhere is bumfuck in it. Right. It's beautiful, <laughs> beautiful land. But, like, they've not developed anything in Kentucky since bourbon, I don't think. I have a funny story about Kentucky. So my friend at the time, um, he worked at uh, Lazy Boy okay. Furniture. We were in this Macy's, and there was this heavier set a white guy following us through the store, you know, (laughs) unfortunately typical. And so I said, hey, I bet you if we go to this guy and act like we don't know anything about furniture, he will say this piece of crap couch is the best quality. (laughs) He says, no way. We felt it. It felt like that type of couch you could rip in pieces. We go to him. We say, excuse me, um, we're looking for a place because we're looking for a couch. Just moving to this apartment. Uh, as far as quality, how is this couch? I mean, would you say it's high up there? This is the best quality <laughs> couch that you can have <laughs> by far. <laughs> My friend couldn't believe it. I, I just knew it was going to happen. That's awesome. Only, only experience with Kentucky. 
<laughs> that's awesome. I think when I think of Kentucky, I also think of like the Oklahoma, Alabamas, you know, all, all, all the places that have a lot of culture and have a lot to offer. But like if you haven't been there and immersed to it, it's kind of like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and I was, I was driving across the country a few years back and it was... Uh, Forget the exact city, but it was like right around that Oklahoma border. Okay. And I go into, for, I was hungry and I needed gas. And I see a place that has pizza, gas. I'm like, this is great. Mm -hmm. You go in and again, I'm from Ohio. I'm used to guns. I'm used to all those things, but I'm not used to like everything wow in your face. They had a gun store here, pizza here, ammunition here. Oh. And to separate everything from the corner store to from the gun store, they yeah. separated it with a full like wall, built wall of uh like 30 racks of Bud Light. <laughs> so you have to go past the Bud Light to get to your guns, but they separated by another Bud Light yeah. to get to the ammunition. Like the way that they get around the things, you're like, man, it's amazing how they do it. Guns, bear, and pizza. I could, I could live with that. You could live with that. Yeah. And that kind of segues a little bit into what, you, what got you all started. Kind of, I think from what I read online, your whole writing experience really dates back to September 11th. Yeah. And kind of, you were what, I think it said 10 when that happened? Yes. So then kind of growing up with the media of all the culture of, you know, not knowing what was going on and kind of what was all that like that brought you into writing it down and into a book? So um, this is something that came up back in 2014. People always ask me how long it take you to write the book. And uh, I say four years with procrastination. Um, and so I was at the academy for corrections for the state of ohio and in order to become an instructor we had to do a presentation on a big change that we made in our lives mm -hmm. and so the big change i decided to do was talking about growing up in new york city during 9 11 and how i felt about people who resembled middle eastern culture or muslim culture and um, how i went about overcoming that and one of the other uh, soon-to-be instructors said, that sounds like a book. Mm -hmm. And so I heard it, but I kind of just said, oh, well, yeah, maybe, maybe. And I was in church one day just rethinking what the heck I want to do with my life. All right. And it was just like write a book. Had you been into writing before? I know that you were kind of into acting and arts and like, yeah. like as a way of expression, but Cotton, were you always into writing things down or was that kind of a struggle to figure out how to put ideas onto paper? Poetry in high school, um, freestyles in high school, and a little bit in college. Like we would record songs that were terrible. Every, everybody but. has a few of those. There's laptops all across America that have the, the like. Right. I had software. I said, why not? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> correct. Um, but not a book. Mm -hmm. No, never. This is this is my first idea of writing that. Yeah, books are way harder than just about everything else that mm -hmm. I've ever tried to do. I have uh, one study guide I put up on Amazon KDP mm -hmm. kind of like a year ago. I was working with authors on doing different things marketing wise. And I was like, I I've never fully gone through the KDP process. Mm -hmm. And I was going through and did the full Google Analytics certification. I was like, nobody should have to sit through it all those videos. Why don't I just take all the questions and answers, mm -hmm. put it in a study guide so that I could learn the process of okay. kind of how to do it. That was super easy. I've been trying to work on getting a podcast book written for like the last two uh -huh. or three months. Kind yeah. of taking like the, the last year was my full on first year of just balls deep podcast. Mm -hmm. Put out just right around 50 episodes and did so many things that like now knowing mm -hmm. like I could save people time. And just like you said, like I could, this is a sellable book. This is, right. this is valuable. This is information. But to write a book is so much harder than people think. It really is. Like to not like say the same thing over and over in each yes. chapter or different things. What was that like kind of, did you have any moments where you're like, I think this is good. And then you gave it to somebody to read and they're like, no, go back to the drawing board. So initially this book was a lot longer. And when I went to go read through it, and then also the person who edited the book, it got to a point where it was like, why is this story important? Mm -hmm. So I literally spent, I think it was a whole week deleting stuff. Right. Because point of the book is not to just learn about Jason, talk about Jason. Right. No, I'm trying to make a, a point because especially today in today's political climate, race is very prevalent in everyone's everyday um, conversations. And so writing about something that people generally think, mm -hmm. they don't say out loud, right? Like I've had people um, email me after they read the book and they're like, you're real blunt. <laughs> That's just how I am. And, uh, and a lot of New Yorkers are seen as blunt, right. but you have to be because that's what 
I thought. I thought that seeing the hijab and speaking the Arabic and uh, any, you know, I used to call it terrorist shit. Right? <laughs> I, that's literally what I called it. Right. Um, so people were like, whoa, you put that in a book? I'm like, yeah, because I'm giving, giving you all of it so that you can look in yourself and see what ignorant, um, in, what what times that you can look back on and say, wow, that was that was pretty ignorant of me. Like I Absolutely. probably shouldn't act like that anymore. Being kind of just growing up in that culture, I'm sure in New York at that time you had a lot more access to news than we did in Ohio. You know, I mean, there was a lot more you know publications and billboards and mm -hmm. stuff than we have here. What was that like? Kind of, or is it just you were watching news and didn't do any research, or how did that that hatred kind of start to fester for you? So I was only again, I was only ten when this happened. And I never had any sort of hatred towards any group. Mm -hmm. What it was, was that my mother actually worked on the 89th floor. Um, and they moved out, thankfully, in 1998 because the firm was downsizing. Mm -hmm. And so as a kid, I loved those buildings. Mm -hmm. Like they were, I mean, I remember going to my mother's floor and looking out the window and just loving the views of Manhattan, right? right. And um, there was a Warner Brothers store in the basement right. where I'd get all my Batman toys. Like, it was my childhood. Right. So to see it get taken away and then the news explaining this is who did it and by the way, there's more of them here mm -hmm. made me just say, well, we need to figure out who's who. Right. And I'm not going to trust any of them until we know which one's good and which one isn't. Did that kind of make you go just look at everybody at that point? Or was it just strictly on the Middle Eastern? Of strictly on anyone that... So even if someone spoke Arabic, but they weren't wearing the typical, mm -hmm. then I just considered them an undercover terrorist. <laughs> like, I mean, it was right. like, like getting on the plane. I'm not sure if you recall, but like we would go to Florida every year, my mother and I. And seeing one of those potential terrorists getting on the plane, the TSA or the security at the time, they were, it was very obvious that they right. were being like, hey, we need to check you extra. And thinking about it now, I'm like, wow, that's effed up. But at the time I was like, hey, I'm not trying to get blown up flying to Fort Lauderdale. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it was just normal. You know, it was only, what, the 60s that we went through everything of everybody. Everybody's good. And, you know, mm -hmm. people our age, kind of, you grow up looking like racism's like, oh, that's a, that's a thing of the past, right. you know? Right, right, right. But again, that's because me being from Cleveland, you know, I, went, I was one of the few white people in the school. So I, mm -hmm. I look at things a lot different than another white guy that's looking down the street. Or mm -hmm. a black guy's looking at white guys different. A white guy's looking at a Chinese guy different. Right. Because like, you just hear these things that just instinctively mm -hmm. as a human being is kind of just a survival mechanism of right. oh i've heard that things that look like that are bad for me mm -hmm. whether it's a, a mushroom or a person or a weapon or anything kind right. of that's just your way of staying safe is i heard that could be bad mm -hmm. high alert right but then in today's pc culture you know and also in today's we have uh, there's more information on the screen right now than people mm -hmm. 15 years ago ever had access to. Right. Not to mention all the different things in this hard drive that I could get to. Mm -hmm. But instead of having all this that information and people being smarter, we're like, oh, Fox News said if you uh, are a Muslim, then you're a terrorist. But it's the most, next to Buddhism, it's the most peaceful religion on the earth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we, we don't really think to take the extra step to go look and be like, oh, what is Islam? What is a Muslim? Right. What, what is the Quran? You're like, oh, you know. Um, yes. Yeah, p people are fucking crazy, mm. but this country wouldn't be here if it wasn't for crazy white people. <laughs> like, you know, like, that, yeah. I, I always have the struggle around Thanksgiving of like, mm. oh, yeah, this is great, family and everything. But, like, we came in and gave a bunch of people that had way more figured out than we did blankets mm. full of smallpox. Let's celebrate right. it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's great for us, you know, like, we're here yeah. and, like, we wouldn't have anything if that didn't happen. So, like, right. I guess all those things had to be somewhat good, right. you know, but it's all perspective of... Why do we have to take over the Indians instead of just work with them? Or why do we have to hate the Muslims instead of just, oh, yeah, I, I, you pray a lot, but everything else sounds about all right, right, you know? Yeah. What was the kind of driving force? Was it when you saw racism in Ohio that was like, wait a minute, I need to look into these things and kind of do more due diligence and kind of see? Yeah. Or what was the kind of just eye-opening moment to be like, oh, I've been thinking about this shit all wrong? Yeah. So, um... Had I never left New York, mm -hmm. I would still be the same way. I know that 100%. Dealing with the type of racism I did in Ohio, 
then got me to think, wow, I'm being judged simply because I look the way I do and they never even gave me a chance, but what am I doing, mm -hmm. right? And so that was necessary for me to go through that. But what ultimately got me over it was I met a man named Ahmed who was a foreign exchange student from Saudi Arabia and speaking to him about his uh, experiences being in Ohio mm -hmm. and especially in downtown Bowling Green when they would see him and his friends they would say just awful things right. to them and he's like I hate Osama Bin Laden more than you guys I mean right. Osama Bin Laden was Saudi he's making us look bad and we're nothing like that right so that's where it ended for me mm -hmm. and I just had a completely different thought process Absolutely. Um, I love kind of tiptoeing on the controversial things of thoughts of things where I'm like, you know what, I think I'm onto something. Everybody else thinks I'm an asshole. Yeah. So one of those that I, I've never really wrapped my full head around again, and maybe it's just the millennial in me. Mm. But what do you think of when you hear of race, the word race? What comes to mind? I think that it was created in order to divide. Mm -hmm. um, I feel as though race is... See, the word racist is used and abused more than anything. Right? It's another one of those words in today's culture, not to interrupt, but yeah. it's, it's the way that if you want to shut somebody down now, mm -hmm. you say either rapist or racist. And there's only one letter difference. But like yeah. those two words simultaneously mm -hmm. or Nazi or any of these other like mm -hmm. just big words that people don't really understand what right. it means to call somebody a racist right. or a Nazi. The f I always find it funny that the reason I ask is not too many people actually know the definition of what racism is. Mm -hmm. And they, they just think it's, oh, you hate white people or you hate black people or whatever. But it's mm -hmm. thinking that you're superior to somebody just because of skin color. Right. Which is fucking asinine. Like you said, it's it's a human made thing mm -hmm. like a religion or any of these other things. It's at one point when you didn't know things, you're like, oh, they're black, they're different. But I mean, look at the two dogs we had outside. They're black, they're white, but they're the same fucking thing. Right. Just one's a little bit different. One's, you know, mm -hmm. different shape, different color, because yeah. for generations they were at a different area, which it's crazy that it's one race. I mean, we say Asian, black, everything else, but like to me, it's, it's one. Mm -hmm. Like anybody that thinks otherwise, it's kind of like, and I'm not a religious person by any means, but I'm like, why would anybody create six different things? Like, we're all the same. Mm -hmm. Your blood's the same as mine. You could give me a transfusion. I mean, obviously, you're taller. You're more strong. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. at, at the core level, we're 98% the same. We're also mm -hmm. the same as a cucumber. So, like, right. it's crazy, like, the way that if you want things to be different, they yeah. can. Mm -hmm. If you want to work with people, you can. Mm -hmm. And the people that are thinking, oh, they're a racist, they're just shutting themselves down to opportunity. They're kind of saying, oh. I mean, not saying that they haven't had any bad things happen to them, but that, mm -hmm. not to put that, but like why everybody thinks race is such a big deal. If we could just stop fucking with race for a while mm -hmm. and just talk about like quality of life. Right. <laughs> like, right. like, why are we wasting all this time of Trump versus Hillary or, mm -hmm. you know, Muslims versus America when we could be like, let's fix the fucking bridge you came over on the way here. That's 80% crumbled. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more you pressing know? things to worry about. Um, and it's interesting because there are two different sides when people see my book. They're saying, well, you're black, right? So how are you? How the heck are you writing racist? I actually had a guy in, I think it was York, Pennsylvania. He walked up to me and said, excuse me, where's the author of this book? <laughs> He's like, did you kill him or something? I'm like, no, I'm the author of this book. Um, I think that the definition of words do change over time. Mm -hmm. And... For me personally, I've encountered white people who are extremely racist, but then I encounter black people who hate white people, and it's like, what's the difference? Mm. Both of your hatreds are pretty effed up. Right. Right? Absolutely. So it's like, are we going to base racism on our history only? Mm -hmm. Right? Because I had another lady in Baltimore, she said... If Oprah didn't hire somebody because it was a white guy, what do you call that? And so I said, well, she didn't hire him based on race. I mean, if you look at the history of race, we do not have any type of power compared to whites. But I mean, if, if you're discriminating against someone based on their race, would you call it racist? I mean, it's discrimination. It's whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's... Absolutely. Yeah. 
And, and I, I fall kind of weird on the discrimination thing too. Like I've been a small business owner my whole life. I've, mm -hmm. I've ran landscaping companies, which is one of the most diverse work crews work, that you're going to yeah. get. Sure you know, I've gone everything from valedictorian high school kid mm -hmm. to senior citizen to everything in between felons. You know, I've tried them all. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned is why I got out of landscaping and kind of slowly transitioned into marketing. Mm -hmm. I knew how to market everything and I didn't know how to find people that knew how to work. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't because they were white. It wasn't because they were black. It's because most work problems that I've found is entitlement. And that comes across yeah. all, all walks of life, no matter Correct. age, race, wealth, all mm -hmm. of that. If, if you think that you should just get a check, it's not going to work out too well right. for you. you know? But I think that's one of those where people don't want to work. They don't want to research. Mm -hmm. they, like we're living in the information age where things are never more accessible. But you're like, no, I don't even want to go get my food. I'm going to have a door dashed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what do you think that we could do to kind of have more people have that eye-opening moment to you where you're like, you know what, I should just learn more about people instead of just getting that snap judgment. Is there anything societal-wise that you think that we could kind of implement to kind of make people more open to just seeing what life is like that's not through their eyes? So right now my focus is youth mm -hmm. because if you want to change the future, the best place to start is with our next generation. Absolutely. And so I have a course titled Let's Talk About Race. And that course is for pre-K, mm -hmm. believe it or not, all the way up to 12th grade. Because a study from the University of Toronto suggested that humans in general identify race as early as six months after birth. Gotcha. Right? Uh, parents, on average, wait until their child is between the age of 10 and 12 to talk about social identity, to include race. Mm -hmm. So if we identify skin color by six months, but then the key figure in our life is waiting until 10, a decade, right. to talk about race, what they already know, what are we doing? Right. So I think that let's talk about race needs to be mandatory, just like math or science or those Absolutely. wonderful history courses that teach that Christopher Columbus was just a <laughs> wonderful explorer. Right. Uh, it needs to be mandatory. Right. And so I think when we start with the schools, that's when we will make a, a bigger change societal wise. Gotcha. Yeah, I can't agree more. I think you hit all those on the head. Um, yeah. I, what made me think when you were saying that is my stepdaughter, you know, I don't have any kids of my own and I came into her life at about seven mm -hmm. and you know, the way that her grandparents would look at how I talk around Lily, not acceptable. Mm -hmm. The way that I feel I talk around Lily, 100% acceptable. Mm -hmm. I'm not pulling back a fuck or any of those other things or yeah. if, I, if I see a lady over there doing something stupid, I'm going to be like, mm -hmm. Lily, look, see how that lady's walking right across the street? She's a dumbass. Like she's mm -hmm. going to get hit by a car mm -hmm. or, you know, like I'm not holding back any societal things or okay. like I let her slowly kind of see like i would always like you ever seen big mouth on netflix big mouth hilarious cartoon i need to watch that yeah it, it is hilarious it's nick kroll um i don't know if you know him but uh it's it's very crude mm -hmm. not made for 10 year olds but also made for 10 year olds it's all about <laughs> you know their experience both male and female going mm -hmm. through all the different things of puberty each okay. each character has their own hormone monster yeah. so like it's not it's not visually or verbally what you would think that a kid should hear but like I you see. said if if people are identifying things at six if you're already at eight nine ten you're already in fifth grade you're halfway through your educational career mm -hmm. puberty's coming wouldn't you rather know that there's a hormone monster coming that you could kind of have a reason <laughs> to explain why you're getting all these pimples or why you're right. getting these different urges or feelings right like why are we holding things like that back instead of you know saying oh or we went to their D.A.R.E. graduation. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how you feel on corrections. I'm very liberal when it comes to drugs. If you're mm -hmm. an adult, do what the fuck you want with your body. <laughs> like, the government should regulate it, tax it, and make sure that it's safe for everybody. Yeah. But we're going through, listening through this D.A.R.E. stuff, and they're like, I will never use drugs or alcohol ever. And I'm looking, I'm like, you're in elementary school. You Wait till you get to middle school. That's going to change. High right. school is going to change. Right, sure and, like, But even then, they're still teaching the same bullshit they taught you and I when we were in D.A.R.E. 20 right. years ago. Right. When in 20 years, we've learned a lot about different drugs and mm -hmm. how different things interact. Instead of just say no, say, why are you taking that? Are you okay? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of things that I think we neglect, just like race, that if we kind of, like you said, talk about it early on with the kids, mm -hmm. like, I think we're afraid to kind of, like, take that child innocence, you know, kind of like... Correct. Like, we put that on this pedestal, but yes. instead, then we have these uh, adults now that are underprepared, they've been getting graduate, you know, participation trophies, mm -hmm. they don't know any real 
things happening to them in their life. So when one does, they don't know how to do anything. Then right. they're on opiate opioids. Right. I don't know about Toledo, but Ohio fucking like heroin and all yeah. the fentanyl and everything. It's yeah. a real thing. It sure is. And you want to feel bad, but you're like, you shouldn't have put anything in your veins. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and as far as drugs are concerned, um, I feel like the harsh penalties against people mm -hmm. who uh, sell drugs is mainly because we didn't get a part of the pie. Right. Right. Like why Pablo Escobar was public enemy number one when our government allowed the other cartel to operate. Right. Because they wanted Pablo so bad. Right. And then once they got Pablo, it was okay. Now you're important. Now you're important. Right. So I, honestly, I think it's more of financial reasons. You, you got a guy who's who's a billionaire <laughs> off of drugs. Uh -uh. If I ain't getting none of that pie, you got to go down. Um, so let's talk actually physicality of the book. You, you wrote everything and you mentioned an editor. How, how did you find an editor for yourself? Because you were self-published, right? Yes. So uh, believe it or not, my editor was my wife's aunt. Gotcha. So she, does she do that professionally or? Yeah. Perfect. She, she worked um, with the military her whole life. And then she started uh, working on like, um, I think she said the, the one thing she was working on was like a, a research about like toe fungus <laughs> or something that was your, like. Your book 60. had to be better to read than that. <laughs> she said it was like 60 pages. And so when I said, can you look at my book? She said, okay. I, <laughs> yes, please. I need a break from this other stuff. Absolutely. And so after she edited it, I had looked for a company who helped self-publish um, people who want to self-publish. And mm -hmm. I found this company, which I'm actually veering away from and creating my own publishing company for a couple reasons. One, because I just want more of the rights to my book. Right. And then two, I want to help other people who want to publish and let them know there is no BS. My publishing company is called 105 Publishing. Gotcha. And so that will, I will start putting that in effect in January. And so that is to help people uh, publish their book and not have to worry about the um, I always say in every contract, there's an F and a U somewhere, right? <laughs> Whether it's the banks or right. something like that. I want people to be comfortable and know, no, this is your product. This is going to be yours. So it's called 105 Publishing, and I'll even share that with you when it's all in full effect. Absolutely. And what made you go that route instead of going like the KDP or going through Amazon? So... I actually spoke with someone who stated that there are certain aspects of Amazon that are beneficial, mm -hmm. but the one that is easier, and I'm still learning about it, um, when you actually read like the contract, the author doesn't really have the rights that they should. Gotcha. Um, and this is just from a lady from a company who uh, worked in, I believe she was out of Colorado. Um, and she was saying, yeah, just don't go that route. You can go through Amazon to print, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think the only thing with that is that if you print through Amazon, you can't print through anybody else. Gotcha. But the book, the ISBN, the barcode, all of that is yours. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would be teaching people is make this yours, but you can print through Amazon. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, personally, I love Amazon, whether mm -hmm. it's their affiliate program that I'm in or like the everybody's like, oh, the big man, Amazon, they're so bad. I'm like, Amazon, Amazon cuts me little checks every month. Like, yeah. I love getting those couple of dollars here and there just for yeah. people clicking links or, you know, I sold mm -hmm. a book that I didn't even promote or, you know, like mm -hmm. or the other thing that's beautiful as doing podcasts and stuff. Anybody that's not doing podcast or that are doing podcasts that isn't in the Amazon affiliate. Mm -hmm. Every time that I'm promoting anything that's on Amazon, people click that there's money coming into my yeah. pocket. And like they've kind of, again, they're like the Spotify's, the other real big ones where you're like, you guys are taking quite a big chunk, but <laughs> at the same time, they're putting me out to that big of a market and making it that easy instead of like, do I trust going to jlrainerauthor.com and purchasing it there? Or do I already have my Amazon card linked and it's already one click and it's in my thing? Like mm -hmm. the ease of use with Amazon is just yeah. so fucking beautiful. It's very true. <laughs> As, and p a lot of people do say, I'll order it on Amazon, which is fine. Right. But um, and I do have some discounts as well. I did to, see that it's cheaper yeah. on Amazon than on the actual yeah. website, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all right. Mm -hmm. um, 
And what made you, I, I don't think I've seen a digital copy. What's been keeping you from just keeping it on the hard copies? So I am, um, I was working with a guy to do the audio book mm -hmm. and he just kind of, uh, you know how sometimes you do business with somebody and right. then it's like halfway done or for every reason they just disappear. <laughs> It was unfortunately one of those situations and so I'm actually recording it on my own mm -hmm. so that I can then work with somebody and say, hey, I don't need to use all your equipment. I just need this like touched up a bit right. and then I'll go that route. So no, I am working on the audiobook. Yeah, that's yeah. What, that's the one thing. I mean, I'm not, like I said, I'm before we started rolling, I'm not a huge reader, mm -hmm. but I like stories. I like finding different things in the different mediums. And when mm -hmm. an author kind of like, I'm only doing a hardcover book, you're like, wow, 80% well, of people are reading eBooks or, right. you know, and now like that, that number is shrinking and it's more going to the audiobooks. Right. where, I mean, as a podcaster, I much prefer, and you know, the video is great. Mm -hmm. That's why we do video because more people see the video clip. But me right. personally, I'd much rather throw a podcast in while I go down to the gym and mm -hmm. hit the bike for an hour. Yeah. Than having to sit and watch a video or not being able to close YouTube mm -hmm. or actually having to carry a book. Like having the same thing across all platforms is so crucial. Yeah. Um, what what happened with that audiobook guy, do you think? Was it just not enough paid for him or was it just too long of a project? <sighs> he, I mean, looking at it, that can't be that long of a read. It really isn't. No, <laughs> he, he had some personal things going on and he had stated that um, when I, uh, you know, I'm done with all that, I'll get back with you, the standard third. And honestly, it was, it was kind of half-assed through the process. Mm -hmm. I had offered, I said, hey, I, I'll pay you. And he was like, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> so and I, I'm the same way. I'd much yeah. rather pay you. Yeah. Tell me the right to have this done by a certain date Correct. and to do me a favor, which was really just hindering me and Correct. slowing down the process. Right. Yeah, I learned that a long time ago doing, especially landscaping, where like I didn't want to do tree work, so I'd like just find a decent tree guy, which I found for a while, mm -hmm. and then he ended up vanishing. But you're like, I will keep consistently sending you leads if Correct. you do good work. Yeah. Like, tell yeah. me what it costs. Like, I understand I'm a business myself. Like, mm -hmm. not everything's free. I'll help mm -hmm. you when I can, but some things cost money. Right. Just tell me what it costs. You know, and a lot of people are just like, no, we'll work it out. No, tell me now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want this shit done. Yeah. Um, what's, and you said you kind of want to do it yourself, but get it touched up. What's, is it just you don't know audio well, or what's, what do you want to be added to it? Um, so, pretty much how to get it to be an actual audiobook. I'm, you know, I don't know. Right. Um, I just want to get it recorded first and then jump to that step. Like if you know somebody. Absolutely. We, we could process. definitely yeah. put you in touch with a couple of different people for steps along the way. Yeah. Um, Ashley Greathouse, who I, I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. um, she, uh, she, there's a new route that I kind of really like the model to where um, I forget if it was through Audible or who, who it was through, but it's kind of that they have a pool of people that like to do the reading and then you submit the book and then they kind of, if they want to read for it, then they submit a de demo. Mm -hmm. But the way that it works is it's royalty sharing. So it's one of those, you pay them nothing up front, but then if once it sells, you split it 50-50 or whichever way, which kind of is a nice, and, and when I heard it, I was like, that. what I like about it is if I'm not paying you up front, and you're only getting paid off the quality that mm -hmm. you put into it, and you want to read the story is why you reached out to me, I think it really in gives that incentive to be like, all right, I need to do a really good job here so we actually sell a bunch of these instead right. of like me reading this for two hours and we sell none of them. Correct. Um, but the other thing that she mentioned too is when we did our consultation like about a year ago, which was a perfect time to have like that little follow-up and get it all recorded, but podcast, you're on one now, you drove to be on one, why don't you have one for yourself? <laughs> My uh, publicist has been telling me that too. Like, you need to just start this podcast. It's really not that hard to set all this yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the way that you speak, the way that you have a message that you're trying to do the change and everything. Um, this podcast is pretty much what fuels Colin Can Help. Mm -hmm. Colin Can Help is my freelance brand of doing marketing and everything. Like I mentioned, kind of taking the skills that kept me as a small business and kind of teaching other small businesses, authors, musicians, kind mm -hmm. of just giving them the skills because that's where a lot of people fuck up as an author. Right. They're like, oh, I can't sell any books. There's nobody reading books, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. There's millions and billions of people reading books every day, but people aren't taking it as a job. Right. They think that you could just type up a story, put it out on KDP. You know, it's free. I'll do it all myself. I don't need an editor. I don't need a promotion. Mm -hmm. that, you don't. You could have it up there to be listed, but you're not going to sell any copies. Right. But if you take it like a job and you're, mm -hmm. you're out, you're doing your press runs, you're doing book signings, you're getting your name out there. Because mm -hmm. people, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, people aren't buying your book 
they're buying you. Correct. And a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah. Because same too, the podcast, they're not buying a pod, you know, you're not paying to listen to it, but you're not mm -hmm. spending your time to listen to something that's not informational, that's not right. entertaining, that Correct. you're not learning or meeting new people through. Mm -hmm. So by me coming on the camera and you being on the camera and actually having a camera instead of voices, mm -hmm. we could do so much more with it. Right. And then people are like, oh. I really like what he was saying about criminal reform or whatever. Man, mm -hmm. I want to look into what he has to say about his book or right. whatever else. Having that podcast also will get you those other guests for mm -hmm. those other endeavors. So right. you could kind of have, you know, do an author segment, mm -hmm. bring an author on every week. And then you're like, hey, I got this publishing company over here. It's, mm -hmm. it's such a beautiful way to just open a relationship because after you and I work together, we sit here for an hour. We're going to build some sort of rapport right. or it's going to take 20 minutes. And we'll be like, oh, well, that's all the questions I have for you, sir. <laughs> that's the awkwardness. Once you start a podcast and you're like, oh. This is gonna be good, and we're five minutes in. And <laughs> I'm pulling teeth here, you know. Like, luckily, you know, like you're charismatic, you know how to talk about yourself and things. But some people, they're like, oh, yes. <laughs> okay, they ask another question. No, like, I, I don't know how we're gonna do this. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, the podcast, um, I host this through Anchor, anchor.fm. Okay. It's free and they match you with sponsors. Oh. You're, you're not going to beat that. All right. Um, now with sponsors, it takes like a thousand episodes to make about eight to $10. And it takes okay. quite a bit of time to build up your following to hit those thousands and things like that. Mm -hmm. But what Ashley did, what I tell a lot of authors to do, and I, I have a new plan for musicians that I think could really switch shit up a lot. Tell me, you listen to music, what type of music is your favorite? I'd, I'd say... I know you uh, like Jay-Z. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Being in New, New York in your age, you can't not like Jay-Z. Yeah, absolutely. I really like a, a multitude of things, to be honest with you. Um, but a lot of artists I listen to is like uh, Dave East. Um, I listen to a little bit of Fabulous. Uh, Jay-Z, of course. Fabulous is why I didn't know how to spell that fucking word for like four years throughout my adolescence. <laughs> right. Like, I think, yes. I think he ruined spelling tests for people <laughs> for years. You're like, F-A-B-O. Nope, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but what I was getting at is, say, say there's an up-and-coming artist, like you listen to the Curly Chuck episode. Mm -hmm. Say if Curly Chuck was going to put out an EP. Normally, he would do it through Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. Mm -hmm. But what if he decided through Spotify, because my podcast is on Spotify, to mm -hmm. do a podcast called the Curly Chuck Podcast, mm -hmm. and he puts out an episode episode mm -hmm. that's three songs, four songs, you know, EP length. Yeah. But within that, he could record an anchor ad or another ad that they give you, mm -hmm. which is getting you that ten dollars per thousand instead mm -hmm. of Spotify, which is. Point zero 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 three, I believe, cents per stream. That's a lot of money. <laughs> Not at all. You need a you need a quarter million streams to hit a thousand dollars. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. if you could get a thousand streams to get ten dollars by yeah. putting one ad on a Spotify Correct. thing, Correct. I think that could switch up a lot of things. Because if somebody's pulling fifty thousand streams already, mm -hmm. what if they put that towards a thing that you could actually monetize, and they just click through the commercial, and you still get paid? Mm -hmm. So, I see a lot of this stuff I didn't even know about. Yeah. So you telling me this is like, whoa, I need to get this but started. For, for the author, yeah. run this back to like three minutes of a rant ago, mm -hmm. what she was doing was she, she writes short stories. Mm -hmm. So what she would do is each week I had her go and read like a page or two of each short story for free on her podcast, but it has that ad. Yeah. So she's getting that small little trickle of money there, but she ended up selling in, I think... I'll run the tape back, but I think it was about 50 extra books the month that she was doing that. Oh, for. wow. Okay. Which 50 bucks, she's like, that month alone, I paid for my groceries. It's the mm. only time as an author I'd ever paid for my groceries at that point. Right. So by putting out a little snippet, mm -hmm. same with yours. You have, what, about 100, 120 pages? Not even. Not even? No. I wrote this book for people like me who don't like to read. Nice. I'm the same way. But either way, if there's 50 pages, yeah. you could, that's 50 episodes of a page each. So mm -hmm. some people might put each episode together or some people will be like, I don't want to wait 24 more weeks to figure out the rest of this story. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go on and I'm going to buy this story. Okay. So it, it allows you to get also to the market of people that don't necessarily buy the books, mm -hmm. but they want the content. So it, my whole method of everybody that I work with is taking pillar content, which is your book, and then mm -hmm. taking that pillar and breaking it down into every medium that you can. So mm -hmm. podcast, talk with a book, talk with authors. There's so much fucking content. There's in a year, there's four gigabyte, four terabytes of information on here just oh. of talking to people. Yeah. So like, again, like I said, you need a $20 mic. We have a full mm -hmm. interview set up here. Mm -hmm. That's $100 in lights and you don't need the fancy camera, but it helps. Right. But again, I started for eight months with just this I until I got that. that. 
So by having the tools and just figuring out the different ways to get to the different things, mm -hmm. it's amazing the different avenues that it opens up. Mm -hmm. But podcast, start that podcast right away. Are you on LinkedIn? I haven't. I didn't look into you. I that am far. on LinkedIn. Yeah, J L Rayner. Yeah. Why isn't that on your uh, website links? It needs to be. It needs to be. Yeah. Because a lot of people, like I said, they don't have the website. You have a website. Super simple. I like it. Mm -hmm. But like right down here, there should be you know the every channel. The Twitter, not the not just the Facebook and the Instagram kind yeah. of. Even if you're just repurposing the same stuff, just mm -hmm. to have those different things. And Pinterest will be a big one for you too. It's overlooked by so many authors, mm -hmm. but Pinterest. A couple months ago, I was getting like twenty thousand extra views a month on a website just by constantly every day putting Pinterest stuff up. Just from Pinterest. Pinterest. Hmm. Pinterest was huge. Okay. Like it makes you be a little bit more graphical, mm -hmm. you know, make more long form graphics. But again, you're just taking the different blurbs from there, put it into a graphic. Mm -hmm. You're killing them. Okay. Um, what else do we have on marketing for? You love Instagram. Love it. What's your favorite thing about Instagram? You've been using it for a few years, it looks like. Uh, no, actually. No? I, I just started using it uh, in middle of this year. Did I count wrong? I thought I thought we were at least back to 2017. I mm -mm. could be wrong. No, I have a different Instagram that's like awful, but not author related. <laughs> um, but no, Instagram was just really easy to use. Um, I, I just figured it out so quickly and then connecting it to the Facebook made it all real simple. I also have a Twitter, which gotcha. I actually don't like using Twitter. I hate Twitter. I don't like using it. I hate Twitter, but Twitter also is a good one where I don't like using it, mm -hmm. but I'm probably 10 to 12 tweets a day just mm -hmm. because it's it's a good, I, I use it as like a dump share, mm -hmm. kind of like, all right, I have a new YouTube video out, let me make sure that I put it out here, or I have a new mm -hmm. blog article, let me make sure I put it out there, mm -hmm. kind of just like, if people look at it, why not? Like, right. you know, yeah, like yeah. on the two Twitter pages I have, again, I don't use them, and it's like seven or 800 followers amongst it, so why not mm -hmm. get more stuff out to 700 people? Right. Um, Instagram wise, you love quotes. Yes. Um, a lot of these aren't your quotes though, are they? A lot no, of, a lot no, of these no. are big name guys. Right. Um, when are the JL Rayner ones coming out? They are mixed in there. If you look kind of, through, I, I could kind of see that. Yeah. Some of them are mixed in there. Um, but most of them are like, get your day started. Don't get discouraged. Let's make it happen type of quotes Absolutely. Um, that, that works for me. And it also may help somebody else. Right. So it is nice when I put something up and they're like, I really needed this. Thanks. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, it's, uh, yeah. You're, you're copy and pasting these from elsewhere. It looks like most of them, or are you making these? Making them. What, what are you using to make them? Uh, what the heck is the thing called? I have to look on my phone. Um, but it's one of those like meme generator type things right. where you take a picture that relates to what you're talking about and then you just write over the picture. So right. I just create them that way. Have you heard of Canva? That's yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I recommend everybody use. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have Photoshop, I have the full Adobe suite on here, but mm -hmm. Canva, it makes things so easy for all these things that you're doing. Kind of like something like this, where you would go get a stock image mm -hmm. and then put your own quote whatever you want to do and, mm -hmm. and, and on there. But what I, why I thought that you were pulling these from elsewhere is you want to be really careful. I saw in a lot of these that you do. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay to put the same shit on different, like on put the same quote on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, mm -hmm. but you want to make sure that it's native to each platform. So I like see. this one here, I can't see 80% of that quote. Okay. See how it's cut off? Because Instagram uses square. So it. yeah, once I click on it, it's fine. Mm -hmm. But as I'm scrolling, which most people, that's how they're going to get to it, is just going through the feed. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, I can't even see half this. Fuck that. And Got keep going. Okay. But that's where like a Canva or one of those where you could kind of take the same thing and resize it, mm -hmm. make it for Instagram square. It's and then you kind of, it takes two or three extra steps. Mm -hmm. But you could already, I could see through your face. You're like, yeah, you have a point there. Yeah. No, absolutely. Because um, just those little things there. Like I, every once in a while, I'll do it too, where you're like, mm -hmm. you're kind of like quick to push something up and you're like, mm -hmm. but then I'll go through it. And I'm like, uh, it cuts off the title or that thumbnail right. is important. Mm -hmm. um, you do a good job on Instagram with kind of, you love the car video. <laughs> You, you love your car video. As, as I was scrolling through, I was like, when he has a message, he's sitting in his yeah. car. And as, as you were down there, I was like, you know what? I think he drives a Buick. Yep. I think that's him down there. I think I found him. But yeah, same like a lot of these quotes. Where, yeah, they're cut off. And then you could take the same idea there. But what I recommend is we'll take the book mm -hmm. and instantly writing this book challenged me to level of self-reflection I never knew, dot, dot, dot. 
and then a link in bio to whatever else. I see. So okay. you see, just off one page, just off the quick glance, I was mm -hmm. able to find, so out of, we got 50 pages here, 67 pages mm -hmm. here, there's thousands of posts right here. Okay, to, using that as it, posts. Exactly, okay. so some people might go and buy like a post calendar or mm -hmm. your social media scheduler type thing where they're like, oh, well, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. I don't have content. I don't have content to put something up every day. Mm. But you have 70 pages right here. Right. So you go through, where Brooklyn at? Mm -hmm. Right there is another way just to kind of look at the camera, say something, and then break it into it. Okay. The, and I'll make it easier for the podcast, obviously, to do Yeah. That. Or you go through it each chapter or however you have it broken down. Mm -hmm. You could say, you know, you could use that as your schedule of, I want to talk about life in Ohio, life in New York. Kind of take all the things that it's about, the keywords that you're mm -hmm. looking for, and finding those other ways to kind of populate that more. Okay. The other one that I always tell everybody about, which later, if you don't start sending me a fucking check, you should, because I recommend this to everybody, and I don't get paid for this one. But Later.com is what I use for... I've never heard of that. Later.com. This is what I use for scheduling for the podcast, as well as Colin can help. Okay. It's uh, like between $12 and $20 a month for their different plans, mm. but what's nice is we're in the Colin's Conversations one right now. So this is scheduling for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Got it. All of my media is up here, mm -hmm. and then I have posts randomly put out through all the way through the year as mm -hmm. I have different things scheduled. So when that week of really busy stuff, mm -hmm. like why I didn't get back to you for three days because I was just busy putting out projects, mm -hmm. everything else is still putting things up. Where I could also then have it with the, the killer feature here is the link in bio. Because again, the whole point of social media is to get people to that website that you have. Mm -hmm. so get people to where there's a portal to buy something, to give you money, to right. give you information, to give you something. Mm -hmm. So the link in bio, normally you see people on Instagram, hey, link in bio, and you could have one link right there. Mm -hmm. Or if people use Linktree and they have four or five little like YouTube, Twitter, or whatever. But this is, if you went on your phone, mine would look similar to this. But each one of these, it'll have the posts mm -hmm. and then links to... This is linked to the contact form, or this is linked to her article. Mm -hmm. And you could have every time say, hey, link in bio, all of these are available forever. So it, it's kind of making Instagram into a full-on website to get people to your website or right. to Amazon to buy things. Mm -hmm. um, for 20 bucks, it, you're stupid not to invest in it. Okay. I, I've gone through most of the different services, and they're all very similar. But the, to have the media library, or I could also, when was the last one I did? This one hasn't come out yet, but so like if I wanted to, I could go to notes, whatever I type here will save there. Mm -hmm. And then if I want to post the same thing multiple times, I don't have to write that caption again. Okay. They also have a hashtag generator in there where, you know, you're typing Cleveland podcast and click suggestions and it'll tell you all the different ones that people normally do. This mm -hmm. is CLE or Toledo, put all the different ones that have come up for that. So it saves mm -hmm. you a lot of fucking work. Okay. So like what I'll do is I'll sit down on a Sunday or whatever and mm -hmm. kind of like your leave today, I'll go get, get a coffee and come back and sit down and plan the week out that way i know everything that i have here i upload my media it's all there and you can mm -hmm. do it through your phone too okay um but just one of those ways like i said once you're going through and you're making a thousand graphics mm -hmm. for out of your book have them all in here and then you can kind of place them and put them out or like i said we're putting this out right around black history month mm -hmm. i have the full month of this, uh, february to go through and kind of place things out and make sure that you match with this person or kind of you could tell your narrative better than kind of just post or hold on i gotta do this mm -hmm. definitely recommend it okay later.com later.com is yeah. huge and canva yeah canva um log into canva too and uh so this is canva i have the the pro version which is 10 or 20 bucks a month but it allows you to save transparently mm -hmm and allows you access to like a wider stock photo database and a couple other little things. Mm -hmm. Kind of worth it, kind of not, um, but I do like it for the transparent things for doing different logos. Uh, it just saves me the step from having to take it to Photoshop to Photoshop with the magic eraser. Mm -hmm. It's just nice to be able to save as and it's done. Right. But say you want to make, pull me out one quote. What, what's a, like a quick couple lines from there? Just to show you how easy it is to make a Instagram post for you. Let's see. I've encountered people who have made extremely offensive comments when discussing a police officer gunned down in the line of duty. Like the one man I heard say, well, no one cares when they shoot black boys for no reason. So why should I care about this white cop? 
So right now I went and found just a random, they have all these templates. You have hundreds and hundreds of great templates. Mm -hmm. And since that's a little bit longer of a quote, so what you would do here, you would type in whatever your quote is here. We won't type it now just for justice, but then we'll go to photos, mm -hmm. type in cops. Um, then you could kind of resize different things or if you wanted to go is a, a way to not make it so blurry with him. Oh, that's intentional for the yeah. cuffs, to focus on the cuffs. Just, okay. That's just a, a regular image. But mm -hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? You have the full ability. So w what I did there is I'm like, all right, visually what you're saying, we're, we're painting a picture of cops. Mm -hmm. I find the first asshole cop photo I could find. Obviously, you want to go through and find something a little bit better than that first yeah. one. Put the thing right there. Put your name right here. Mm -hmm. Your hashtag right there. Done. And then you could kind of, if you find a template you really like, mm -hmm. kind of keep that, keep swapping out that image. So if you're mm -hmm. talking about the World Trade Center, boom. So then like they have different ones that are free, different ones that it costs money. But yeah, so we want to talk World Trade Center, boom, boom. Just and look how quick and easy we're making a professional looking post that, and it's, what I did, I don't know if you saw it originally, but I went and clicked create design Instagram. But then if you wanted to make a Facebook ad, boom, YouTube cover art. So it already has everything predefined. So again, I could do all of this in Photoshop and make yeah. it look just as good, but I have to manually put in, you know, 1080 by 1920 mm -hmm. and all the different things where this here, you just click it and yeah. it's done. Right. So the free version works great. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you can kind of step it up if you need it. But right. Again, you could get a thousand pieces of content a just from bunch. that book right there. And the beautiful thing is you already have it typed up on a, on your manuscript. Yes. So you kind of just go through it, copy and paste the parts that you like, mm -hmm. and then you could get as creative with it as you want. Either right. a couple words is that real lead in or mm -hmm. kind of the full long or a couple words. And then in your body, copy and paste a lot of it, put right. it in there. Just again, you're trying to figure out how to get people inside that cover mm -hmm. for that free preview. That's like, oh. I need to see more. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I have been getting a majority of my love in person. You're doing um, book signings a lot. I've seen. Yeah. Uh, how, are, is, you mentioned a publisher. Are they setting that up or how are you getting your book signings? Oh, me. And, and that's the reason why I went self-published because I was under the assumption that when you go with a traditional publisher, it's like, hey, Jason, you sit back, relax, put your feet up and no. Absolutely not. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, so I have been to a lot of cities um, and I'm actually uh, the big one next year. I, I got set up with a podcast um, and the Toronto Book Expo, like back to back in nice. March. So like, I mean, I'm, I'm going to Nashville. I'm going to um, Detroit. I'm going to Cleveland. I right. um, it's not Cleveland. It's called... Um, Ah, oh, I feel terrible. It's right outside of Cleveland. Um, I'll think of the name Akron? in a second. No, 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 no. Which it's, way are we going? Um, East, west? Once I think of, I mean, it's just looking up. <laughs> I have it in my calendar on my phone of where I'm going. It is called... Looking at February... Loganberry. Loganberry Logan Books. Um, if you type in Loganberry Cleveland, it'll pop up, but it's not actual Cleveland. Where is Loganberry? This is for me. I'm like, I've been here my whole life. <laughs> Loganberry Books. See, I, you know, cause I lived in Loganberry Ridge. I'm like, where's Loganberry Books? Mm -hmm. Um, what do we got here? Shaker Heights. Okay. Shaker Heights. Yep. Which is its own city, right? That's not Cleveland? Yeah, Shaker Heights is a suburb. Okay, got it. Um, while you're on that trip, you might want to stop through Cleveland Heights. Have you been through Cleveland Heights? A uh, friend took me through. There, there's a street through Cleveland Heights called Coventry, which has a store called Max Books. Yep. Have you been to Max? I'm familiar Books? with Max. Yeah. I, I was gonna say if you're doing like the little small bookstores, mm -hmm. like that's the place to go. Like okay. that. That is like the book haven of that area. Mm -hmm. um, and what do you think about bookstores? Are, are they kind of making a comeback I've kind of seen? Or do you think that it's a struggling thing to keep on? What's the history for bookstores? So the most interesting bookstore that I have been in was north of Detroit, um, Brown's Family Bookstore. And she has a system where you, it's like a, it's like a monthly subscription almost where you come in and you just read whatever books you want and you just keep on coming in. So what I've noticed is each bookstore is trying to do something creative 
right. in order to stay relevant and beat Amazon. Yeah, you got you to do something to bring them in the doors. Correct. Which is the same for retail, which a lot of people that I've talked to on the retail market, right. they, they don't understand that you're not actually, like, like I said, you're not selling a book, you're selling yourself. Correct. If, if you're in the retail market, you're not selling products, you're selling an experience in your store. Mm -hmm. If you're not selling an, a reason, like a toy store shouldn't even sell toys, honestly. <laughs> Think about it. Like You should just have a toy store where mm -hmm. I could come in with my child and they could just play with whatever the fuck they want and I should That's have a cool a, a, as a as the adult I should have yeah. a, a device oh do we want that click click all right it'll be home tomorrow Oh. Or you, you know, I mean, even if they they have idea. the option, but like it should just—that's where like the um, what's the big one in New York City, um, the big toy store, the Toys R Us that was in. Uh, uh, I think it might have been no, the, the, not Toys R Us. It's like a, a a smaller name, but like is huge there. And I'm drawing a blank, but like that's where they did a big thing. Was like mm -hmm. they they made it a fully like interactive like mm -hmm. you're coming in to play. Like this is a store, but it's like a playground. To say about it in just a second. Okay. <laughs> Um, let's see, what did we not cover? Anything? Um, let's see, what did we not cover? We got all about your book, we yep. got self-publishing. Yep. Um, as somebody that's starting a publishing company, what type, if you, there's one or two things that you would really suggest to somebody that's getting ready to start the process of being an author, what are some things they should take in, into play? So the very first thing, and I know it's this with new writers, especially myself, is that they focus on length. It's like, I need to write this many words. And one day I was just scrolling through some successful authors and they asked um, her, how many words should I have in a book? And she said, until you get your idea mm -hmm. out there, right. then that's when you stop. So don't worry about word count, that's one. Um, focus on things one step at a time because I was focusing on too many things all at once. I was focusing on the cover and uh, what should I do for social media and stuff like that and the book wasn't even done. Right. Finish the dang book. <laughs> and then worry about the other pieces. Um, also, as far as self-publishing, uh, just make sure you carefully read that contract. Mm -hmm. Luckily, the contract that I'm in right now um, with Litfire Publishing is not um, dreadful, but there are some people where they were so happy to finally get their book out there that they didn't even read. By the way, remember the F and the U I was telling right. you about in the contract? By the way, this book is ours now, not really yours. Um, so take time mm -hmm. putting it all together is my biggest advice. Absolutely. And kind of like you mentioned that whirlwind of like everybody's, luckily you got out of that, but so many people are so overwhelmed with how many things they have to do that they mm -hmm. almost don't start or they just right. kind of like shelf it because they're just like, I can't handle it all. Correct. Where that's where I'm like, hello, there's people like me that are here to help people mm -hmm. like you, whether it's a consultation or just getting you networked or doing everything for right. you. Where I'm a firm believer of if I go to a restaurant even, and I don't know what I want to eat, I'm looking at the waitress and saying, um, I don't eat this, I don't eat that, and I don't want to spend more than $50. I'll see you in, what, 20 minutes? <laughs> like, you're the one that knows what's good here. What looks fresh? What looks right. good? Or if it's, you're the electrician, I don't know how to fucking do my house, otherwise mm -hmm. you wouldn't be here. So like, do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. I trust you. Put the people that know what they're doing in the position. Put right. the writer in the writing. Put a marketer in the marketing seat, mm -hmm. even if it's just for a little bit so that you could kind of see how different people do things mm -hmm. so that you could do it yourself once you have time or right. if you actually like to do it. Where like I told you to go do Canva posts, some people don't like mm -hmm. to do that. So you might want to outsource it somewhere. I like doing those <laughs> posts. So I think I'll enjoy that. And it was so simple. When, so simple. When you, I mean, it was extremely simple, so yeah. Or a lot of things like uh, the one that I did of you where you sent me that video and I put it into the mm -hmm. orange stuff, that was Canva. That was Canva, okay. Yeah. So like, yeah. again, that's another one when they have like things where you could do store, like for your Instagram stories. So when you have tools like that, why not use them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so how I end every interview is I'm gonna get up and put the camera dead on you once those dogs start barking. And I call it the digital soapbox. You get one minute to look dead in the camera and end the interview however you wanna do it, whether it's sales, promotion, inspiration, kind of tell them how to find you, mm -hmm. wrap it all together. However, you want to leave the listeners and the viewers, which will also kind of work its way into a promo clip. Okay. But you get that one minute of screen real estate to just sell yourself or whatever you want. How's it going, everybody? My name is Jason Rayner. Uh, you can catch me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at JLR the Author. You can also check me out on my website at JLRAYNORTheAuthor.com. I am uh, open to doing interviews and meeting with people. Um, that's, that's my favorite aspect of doing all of this is meeting new people and hearing their stories. So I would love to hear yours. If you go on my site and you type in promo code 
JLR New Year, my book will actually be cheaper on my site than it will be on Amazon. So um, go ahead, check me out there. Podcast will be coming soon because my man Collins just helped me out tremendously on getting that uh, all together. So um, I hope to hear from you guys soon and uh, let's make it happen. Let's make a difference. Beautiful. Hey guys, this is Jamil and the show. I just came out with my album, Beautiful, on all major streaming platforms. That's J-A-M-I-L. I just wanted to let you guys know that if you keep with it, you'll be beautiful. If you don't, you're beautiful. That's the beauty in all of it. Nobody's self-made. Always keep your eyes open, keep your hearts open, and you can be whatever you want to be. Now that's one way to end the show with Jamil and the show. I hope you guys like that song. I hope you guys like the interview. If there's anybody that you know that would be a great person to talk to, send them my way. If there's anybody that I should have some music featured by, send them my way. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Collins Conversations. Thanks for tuning in.